second president of the United States of America, a man by the name of John Adams, a great uh, patriot, a proud man, incredible politician and diplomat. He made a statement as he was um, arguing a case uh, as a lawyer before he became a prominent uh, politician and then the president. And this statement has always uh, stayed with me, and it, it went like this. He said, but sir, facts are stubborn things. <laughs> facts are stubborn things. Some things are going to happen. They are just factual whether we like it or not. For example, Earl Campbell was destined to play football at the University of Texas. He was. Do y'all know that name Earl Campbell, by the way? I mean, his thighs were like the size of my whole midsection here. He was a beast of a football player. Jackie Sherrill was the, was the coach of the uh, Texas A&M Aggies, and he and um, I, I knew that was coming. I just why I'm laughing. I knew as soon as I said that. But he and Earl Campbell, the legendary running back from UT, they had a conversation, and it was recorded this week, and I was listening to it. And it went something like this. Jackie Sherrill was telling the story of how Earl Campbell was recruited by every coach in America. Now, you can imagine coming out of Texas, coming out of a prominent high school, running for all those yards. Everybody was calling uh, Earl Campbell. And Darrell Royal, who was ending his tenure as the coach there at UT, he knew these coaches were calling his prime candidate. And so here's what he did. He started calling those coaches. And Darrell Royal, for example, called the legendary coach at the University of Alabama, Paul Bear Bryant. Hurts me to say that, being an Auburn fan. But anyhow, Darrell Royal calls him and says, Coach Bryant, I understand that you definitely want Earl Campbell on your football team, but I'm telling you, that is not going to happen. He said, for example, if you go watch him play at high school five times, I'm going to go ten times. If you call him 20 times at his home phone and you talk to him for 20 times, I'm going to call him 40 times. You are not going to get him. It is destined that he will run the football at the University of Texas. So Paul Bear Bryant, this is the part that shocked me in the story. Now, Bear Bryant was some kind of something. He was a fierce dude. He goes into his coach's meeting right after he got off the phone with, uh, with Daryl Royal. He goes into the coach's meeting and he says, Gentlemen, take the name Earl Campbell off the recruiting board. We are not going to get him. It's just destined he's going to play football at the University of Texas, whether we like it or not. There are some things that are just factual, that are destiny-laden, and they are going to happen whether we really like it or not. In fact, we really don't even get a vote about it, and here it is. God is going to be worshipped throughout eternity. And, and that's just a fact. It, it, it doesn't matter whether we think uh, heaven ought to be this way or that way. What John does is he, he peers into the veil of eternity and he allows us to peer with him and to see God enthroned in heaven above. And God is worshipped throughout eternity. And listen to this. It's all about God in heaven. Now, now, for some of you, you, you may have a problem with that. You may say, but I don't know that I really like that or not. Everything being about God, what about me? You, you know, especially in America, we get that. Well, what am I going to do in heaven if everything's about God? Well, listen to this. God gave me this word. 
We find our greatest joy and fulfillment when we worship God. Whether that's on earth and especially in heaven. So don't worry about you. Don't, don't worry about what, how you're going to feel. It's all going to be about God. And as we are worshiping Him in heaven above, you will be utterly satisfied and complete. Now what we're doing here is just a precursor. It's just a warm-up to what we're going to do in heaven. Now, the title of the message is Heavenly Worship. The destiny of worship, the factual basis of worship, it's all about God. We're going to worship Him, and here's what's going to happen. And here are some of the people, the key players, who are going to accompany us in worship. They're called the 24 elders and the four living creatures or beasts. The Greek word there is zoe, and it's, um, some, some parents name their children zoe. And it literally means life. But when you look in the Greek New Testament, the, the word living creatures or living beast, it's one Greek word. It's this word zoe, which means life. These creatures are pulsating with life. And they're zooming around the heavenlies, and they're full of eyes. And one looks like a man, one looks like an eagle, one looks like a cow, one looks like a lion. And they're just roaming the heavens, and they're worshiping God. And the 24 elders are worshiping God, and everything's focused on God as it should be, because He is the King, and He has created everything, and He is the Lord God Almighty, and He is worthy to be worshipped here, and He is worthy to be worshipped there. So let's read our text today. It's Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to pick up in, in verse uh, 6, and then we're going to go on through the end of the chapter. And I hope that today you'll just get caught up in this experience of worship that it's just meant to be. Okay, here it is. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like crystal. Now, please underscore this word, like. Like is going to be a predominating word in our text today. Like, it's a simile, a metaphor. It's, it's like, it's not it, but it's like unto it. Okay, so it's like crystal. And in the midst of the throne... Now remember, in Revelation 4, the word throne is used 13 times. 13 of the 37 usages of throne, thronos in Greek, is used in this one chapter. 11 of those 13 refer specifically to the throne of God. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne, here they are. Four zoe, living creatures, living beasts, and they are full of eyes. In the front... And in the back, the first living creature was, help me, what's it say? That's very important, okay? John is trying to use human language to describe the indescribable, okay? And the Holy Spirit's helping him, and he's doing a fabulous job, but language just really, we, we can't adequately describe these beasts. The first one, though, was like a lion. The second living creature, help me. Like, okay, like unto a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was, did y'all notice this? Every time John prefaces the description of this creature with this word, this simile, this metaphor, like. He was like unto a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each, <laughs> I can't wait to see these, these things, each having six wings, 
And they're full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night. And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now, church, listen, that's all they do. You say, well, I don't know if I like that. You don't get a vote. I don't get a vote. Some things are just destined to happen. This will happen. They are going to shout and praise the Lord. Say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Listen, they're doing it right now. God may not be worshipped as he ought on earth, but he is in heaven. He is in heaven above. And these creatures are flying around and praising their creator. Now here comes the cue. Here comes you and me. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, they fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him. Now notice this eternality. John wants us to get this. Second time. Worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the thronos. There's a wonderful Christian group called Casting Crowns, and this is where they get their name. They cast their crowns before the throne, and they say, we say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive. Now, in the Greek New Testament, it says, the glory, the honor, and the power. It's all prefaced with the definite article, and it's all about God, and and we are worshiping Him for His worth, His honor, and His dunamis, His power. For you, watch this, created everything, and by your will, everything exists, and everything was created. Wow. Is that not amazing? We ought to just have the invitation and go home. I mean, what, what, what else can we do? I mean, that is such a spectacular, beautiful sight of God enthroned in heaven above. And these creatures and us human, redeemed humans are worshiping the Lamb, the Lord God. So in chapter 4, it's all about God the Father. In chapter 5, it's all going to be about Jesus. I can't wait. I'm telling you guys, I'm, y'all, y'all just pray for me. I'm going to be beside myself next Sunday morning. I'm just telling you. That passage, chapter 5, it just rivets me. I, I just can't hardly read the text. It is so emotional. It's so powerful as we worship the Lamb. But number one, let's look at end, in, excuse me, and in the midst of or around the throne. That's point number one. I appreciate Dr. John MacArthur. He has helped me outline this passage of Scripture last week and today. And I love the way he does it with the prepositions. Uh, If you remember last time we noticed the one sitting on the throne, that which was around the throne, proceeding from the throne, and that which was before the throne. And today we get to look at what is in, the preposition in, and what is in the midst of or around, another preposition, the throne. Okay, so here they are. Who are these creatures? They are in the midst of, notice the text, they are in the midst of and they are around the throne, the four living creatures. Well, as you can imagine, interpreters of Scripture since the time of Christ have weighed in on who these creatures were. 
the early church fathers, which is interesting to me, which would be men like Irenaeus and Tertullian, Athanasius, and Augustine, they believed that the four living creatures represented the four Gospels. Now, people like John Walford, even today, believe this. And, and they may be right. I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just giving you guys the research and let you decide what you think is correct. For example, Augustine said that the lion represented Matthew, the man, Mark, the ox or the calf, Luke, and the eagle was John. Others believe, no, those living, ominous, amazing creatures, they are attributes of God. For example, they represent these four qualities and attributes of God. His courage, His patience, His sympathy, and His contemplation. Another writer says, no, they are an exalted order of angelic beings. There's four of them. There's only four of them. And they are ominous, amazing creatures. Now, Please underscore this. You may want to write this in your notes. Whenever these guys appear, one of two things is going to happen, okay? And we'll see them again. <laughs> Not only in the book of Revelation, but we're going to see them in glory one day. And, and note this. They are going to be doing one of two things. They're either going to be worshiping God or they're going to be executing judgment on earth. That's what they do. They're either going to be worshiping God or they have this punitive retribution about them. And you'll see it. They'll come on the scene when the judgments begin to pour out on God and the, uh, on the earth by God. So here they are. Some more about these guys. It's fascinating. They have eyes everywhere, within and around. One person said this represents their vision, their knowledge, their intelligence, their awareness, their alacrity, their alertness. In verses 6 and 8, John says they're full of eyes. And then again, he says, they are like uh, unto these various creatures or humanity that we know. Now remember, they are like a man, like an eagle, like a calf, okay? But John is doing his best to, to describe. I believe they are somehow related to the angelic beings in Ezekiel and Isaiah. In Ezekiel chapters 1 and 10 and Isaiah 6, you see something very similar to these creatures. Number one, there is one like unto a lion. Many people believe this relates to the untamed animal world that represents raw power and strength. So if you're taking notes and somebody comes up to you tomorrow and says, What is that lion dude all about in heaven? Say, Well... Maybe it has something to do with God's raw power and strength, and that creature reflects it. Number two, the one like a calf relates to domesticated animal life and relates to service. Now, cows are pretty domesticated when you think about it. I know they don't live in your house like old yeller and kitty kitty, but I mean cows are pretty domesticated. They're pretty docile, and they serve, okay? Number three, there's one like unto a man. I think this points to superior knowledge and wisdom that far exceeds the animal world. And so there's one like unto a man. And number four, there's one like unto an eagle. Relates to the fowls of heaven and speed and alacrity. So I'm giving you the research that I've been reading and what some people think all of these creatures represent. And I'm not going to say your guess is as good as theirs, but I think they've given us a foundation. 
And so I, I don't know what, what, what all they represent, but I do know whenever they appear on the scene, they're going to be worship leaders, and they're going to, they're going to do God's work. They're going to do His bidding. All right? I like this writer when he describes the four this way, and I'll close out section one with this great quote here from Dr. Robert Thomas when he says, A merging of these four aspects results in the following identification of the four living beings of the apocalypse. They are an exalted angelic order who engage in worship. They bear a special relationship to those angelic beings described in Ezekiel and Isaiah and whose special function in the context of the apocalypse, stay with me now, is not only worship, but the administering of justice in the realm of animate creation, end of quote. So in the midst of and around the throne, you have these four living creatures. Number two, worship to the one seated on the throne. So John's not through. He still wants us to know more about these creatures. Verse 8 says, he gives us two more things to know about these four living creatures. They have six wings like the seraphim in Isaiah 6. So let me read Isaiah 6, 2, and 3. Above it, the throne, stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried out, and another said, does that look familiar? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth. Which really a good translation is the God of the armies of heaven. Okay? The whole earth is full of his glory. With two feet, oh, excuse me, two wings, I believe they represent the covering of the feet that denotes humility. With two wings, they are used for flying, response to God's command. And I believe that two wings covering their face denotes reverence and awe. So reverence, humility, and obedience to his commands. That's number one. Number two is they do not rest. Now, now this is beyond me. I, you think everybody's got to rest, but they're not bodies. They're somethings. They, they are these creatures that God has ordained and, and especially created to do his bidding, to worship him, and to execute judgment. And they don't rest. They are perpetually in motion, praising God, obeying God. You say, what in the world is this? What what is going on? Listen, guys, God is amazing. And if God wants these four creatures, then guess what? Shazam, he gets the four four creatures. I mean, we we don't have to understand it. We don't have to be we don't, we, don't, we don't have to debate it for sure. It's just the way it is. Now, these four creatures are going to worship God in the following ways. Number one, they're going to worship Him in verse 8 for His nature. They say, holy, holy, holy. In one Greek manuscript, listen to this, guys. Holy is mentioned nine times. A trifold of holiness. In one manuscript, it says, holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. And then one more triad, holy, holy, holy. As these beasts sing of the praise of His glory, the holiness of God in Exodus 15, I want to read this to you in Psalm 111. 
Who is like you, O Lord? And that word is Jehovah. That, that word is Yahweh. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness? Holiness. Fearful in praises, doing wonders. And then it says in Psalm, He has sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. So these angelic beings are going to praise God for His nature. Number two, they're going to praise Him for His power. Do you see that? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That is the word pantocrator. And the root word is kratos, which means strength and power and might. So they praise God for Him being all-powerful, the uncreated one, the everlasting one. And He is glorious in power. You know, I love God for many reasons. But if you were to ask me, what are the two primary reasons why you look forward to worshiping God? I'm going to give you this answer. Number one, because He created me. And number two, He redeemed me. Praise Him for His masterful, genius mind of creativity. And praise Him for His redemption. I, I was looking through a song this past week, and I don't know if it's allergies, but <clears throat> it's taken everything I got to preach this message. I am giving this to you from the depths of my 50-year-old being this morning because my throat feels like it's about to close up. Funny things like this happen when I preach Revelation. It's just amazing to me how these things happen when I'm preaching on the book of Revelation. So as I'm preaching, some of you prayer warriors, won't you all just go to the Father and just say, let him help him. Just help him preach. This is too important for him to close up. Just a second. Yeah. The title of the song is down from his glory. And I was reading this song this week, and I was like, wow. Oh, by the way, this guy, William Booth um, Clifford, I think is his last name. He's William Booth Salvation Army founder, grandson. And he wrote these words. <clears throat> Let me just sing a little bit of it so you'll, you'll know what it is. Okay. Down from his glory, never living story, my God and Savior. Okay. Y'all with me? Okay, good. <clears throat> Listen. Down from his glory, ever living story, my God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. Born in a, somebody help me, in a manger. To his own, a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears, and agony. Oh, how I love him. You with me? Oh, how I adore him. And then he goes on. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. Here it is. My favorite part. The great creator became my savior. Woo! That is a line. Let me tell you. Not a L-I-O-N, a L-I-N-E. You with me? That is a line. The great creator became my savior and all of God's fullness dwelleth in him. Let me read a little bit more. Is that all right with y'all? Thank you. Okay, good. Let me read a little more. What condescension bringing us redemption that in the dead of night not one faint hope in sight gracious, 
God, gracious, tender, laid aside his splendor, stooping to woo, to win, to save my soul. Without reluctance, flesh and blood his substance. He took the form of man, revealed the hidden plan. Oh, glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary. And now I know you are the great I am. Oh, how I love him. That's just breaks for How I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. My great creator became my savior. I'm going to tell you something, guys. There's going to be a holy hoop nanny party going on in heaven. And we're not going to need no Mary Jane, no Budweiser, no vodka. We ain't going to need none of that. We're just going to be in the presence of Almighty God. And we're going to be worshiping Him. Woo! It's going to be fun. It's going to be glorious. Man, it's going to be exciting. You know, I, I get perturbed uh, from a lot of things. And I keep my mouth closed on most, most things, but I'm not on this thing. You know, some, some people talk about heaven is, is a bunch of drinking and a bunch of partying with the guys. And, and, and it's, just, it's just misguided. It's truncated because heaven to them is, is all about them. But heaven, according to Scripture, is all about God. And, and that's what it's going to be about. It's going to be about us praising the great Creator who in the form of His precious eternal Son became our Savior. His power. Number three, His eternality. Who was, you see it in verse 8? I'm right in the chorus. Who was and is and is to come. This is Yahweh. This is Jehovah, the eternal, everlasting, awesome, almighty God. And they're praising him. Now watch this. Verse 9. Whenever the living creatures, when they do their deal, that's our cue to do our deal, all right? Now, I don't know how it all breaks forth, but man, those guys are flapping their wings and they're praising the Lamb, and then they look at us and we go, gotcha! And then we come in and we start worshiping God. Oh, it's going to be intense. It's going to be incredible. We, we will get our cue from these people. When I, when I was a few years ago and I was pastoring in Virginia, and I, I had an opportunity to play golf at the Langley Air Force Base. And, and I've mentioned this once before, and, and when I played there, they shut the whole course down just for the general and me to play golf. That was the strangest thing. I mean, it made me feel like I was something, you know. I mean, you're playing golf with the general, nobody else can play, no tee times allowed, the general's playing, and whoever that little guy is over there with him, they're going to play golf the rest of the day. And I thought, this is too cool. I mean, I hit my little ball, and I go after it, and I don't have to wait on anybody. And all of a sudden, I hear this. And the general, all of a sudden, it, was, it spooked me a little bit. Put down his clubs, reared back, turned toward the flag, and he started saluting. He didn't tell me anything. He just, he just got after it. And I was like, Okay, and I was like, had my little three wood in my hand. I was like, I watched him put my three wood down, <laughs> and I started doing what he was doing. And, and after that, I said, General, what is up with that? He said, Oh, I should have told you. Every day at five o'clock, no matter where you are on this base, at five o'clock, when they start playing our song, we stop everything we do, and in honor, of this great country, we stop everything and we salute the flag. I said, man, that made me feel good. I, I was proud to be 
in America. I mean, that, that, was, that made me feel good. Y'all know what's coming? You feel it? When those creatures stop and they bow and they maybe glance over at us with one of them eyes, we stop and we just glance up at Him. We've got our cue and we worship. We worship Him. And if you think feeling patriotic and proud on this level feels good, can you imagine what it will be like worshiping Him and praising Him and the fulfillment, the utter absolute joy and fulfillment that will be ours because we will be doing perfect, perfectly and pristinely and precisely what God created us to do. And that is worship our Creator. Let me be a little more detailed. There are four things we're going to do. And the 24 elders, as you know, that represents the redeemed humanity. I believe it does. 12 Old Testament saints, excuse me, 12 Old Testament tribes, 12 disciples, apostles, 24, all the redeemed humanity. We're going to do four things. Number one, we're going to fall down. (laughs) There ain't going to be no upright. There's just going to be a lot of on our faces. We're going to be falling down That's the proper posture, by the way, of the redeemed. This is the first of six times that the redeemed are mentioned as falling down in the book of Revelation. Number two, we're going to worship. Proskuneo is the Greek word. When it says, the living creatures give glory and honor, and then the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they proskuneo him. They worship him. That word literally means to kiss, to bow down, to pay homage, and to adore. Number three, we cast the crowns before the throne. The saints of God take those those golden crowns of reward and service and lay them at the throne of God. Boy, God really showed me something this week, and I... I hope to encourage you with this, but this is, going to, this is going to challenge some of you big time. But, but allow me to say this. I really believe this is from the Lord. Not that the rest is not from the Lord, you know what I'm saying, but I, I'm really feeling an, an angst to share this. Worship, in its highest form, always entails giving. Okay? On earth, we give the sermon, the song, the offering. We give the baptism as worship. We, it's, it's, we, are, we are giving. And in heaven, we bow down, we take off the crowns, and we lay them before the throne of God. And the greatest aspect of genuine worship is giving. And I say that because we have that very twisted and truncated in America. We come to worship not to give, but to what? Some of you are guests today. And I'm not going to try to talk you out of joining our church, but I just want to tell you a little bit about our church. Because if, if you're like me, and I'm a Christian, and I'm not the pastor, and I'm moving to a new city, then I'm going to go visit churches and find out which church is the right church. But as you come and as you evaluate, 
can I challenge you for a moment? Not so much what kind of children's ministry they have. Are they going to take care of my kids? What kind of preschool ministry? Are they going to really help me? And what, what kind of adult ministry is in? And I don't know if I like that preacher or not. Oh, he's not wearing a coat and tie. Hmm, got to put that one back in there somewhere. I'll come back to you in a minute on that. What about that worship guy? Hmm, I don't know. Those horns were a little bit louder. But hmm, I got I to gotta, I gotta chalk that up. And so I'm going to get it all together. And then I'm going to pull you up. And I'm going to judge you to say, okay, that church best fits my needs. That's all wrong. That's all truncated, twisted, Americanized Christianity. Here's what you should be saying. Do they make much of Jesus here? Is he honored? Is he praised? Is his word taught? Will I be challenged to live a devoted life of a worshiper? That's the criteria that you need to judge this church and every church. Not what we're going to give you, but what you're going to give God in the place where you worship. And I know that's different, but listen to me. If you'll do that, it'll change your life. It'll make your spirit so much kinder and gentler. And you will, you will find yourself being more conformed to the image of Christ when worship becomes more this. Stay with me. More this instead of this. Oh, please me. Show me. No, no, no. It's, it's this. Number four. They sing praise to him. Oh, this is going to be fun. They say, you are axios, God, you are worthy. That word worthy, it's literally the word that the Roman generals would use when they came out of a victorious campaign. Or the emperor, actually. When they came out of a victorious campaign, those would walk in front of him and ascribe worth to the conquering general and emperor, okay? So it is a strong, weighty word of, of glory. It means, it means you are worthy. You, you are powerful and awesome. And that's what we'll sing. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive, as I said a moment ago, the glory, the honor, and the dunamis. And here's why. Because you have created everything. Now, I agree with Chuck Colson at this point. He says, quote, Both friends and foes of Christianity realize that everything stands or falls on the doctrine of creation. And one of the reasons we're in heaven is to praise God for His handiwork. Okay, He created everything. And, and we're not the result of some mindless, naturalistic impulse force burped out of the periodic prebiotic soup and we became the, the goo, we went into the zoo and finally became you. All of that is a bunch of hogwash because God created us. God created us. In, in His image, He created us and we're praising Him and thanking Him for His creation. Now, I'm going to give you just a, a real simple illustration. I'm, it took me six months to write a PhD dissertation. I wouldn't put that on anybody. It was almost torture. 
four years of college, four years of master's, five years of Ph.D. work, and I'm at the end of that, and there's this thing called ABD, all but dissertation. It's a real thing. I used to think that never happened to me. Man, I'll make it that far. I'm going to whiz, whiz, get through it. And now I'm telling you, I was greatly tempted. I was just like, I'm exhausted. But I did it. Wasn't the best dissertation ever written. I didn't get the highest marks ever given. But guess what? I did it. And it sits in my office. Now, if you were to walk into my office and you were to look at that 250-page dissertation it took me six months to write and say, Brother Danny, you just think you wrote that. You didn't write that. Aliens wrote that. <laughs> you, you didn't really write that. And I'm like, well, ho- no, no, no. A force called evolution, just pen and paper and thoughts and ideals, and it come together, bound. You didn't write. I want you to know something. I'm going to be highly offended. How much more does almighty God take offense when we say, God, you really didn't do this. Something or alien or something else did that. I want you to know something. One of the things I look forward to getting to heaven is say, oh, God, You created it all. I knew you did all along. I knew you did. And we're going to worship him for his creation. He is worthy, worthy, worthy. Woo, son. Facts are stubborn things. God created it. God will be praised for it forever and forever. Now, last thing. I want to say, I really just want to sing that song, but I can't. It's just in me. It's just, oh, how I love him. I just, just love him. This is controversial. And I don't, I don't really know how to say this, but I'm going to give it my shot, best shot. If people say they love God on earth, but can't come to church and worship Him, will they really go to heaven and worship Him? I don't know. I'm just asking. Because if this is a precursor to that, if we have no delight and joy and effort for this, what makes we think, we're even going to do that. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm just asking. I don't know. I'm not casting any judgment. I know there are people that love Jesus, been burned by church, and they don't go to church. But I, I'm just asking the question. And I'll let you deal with the answer. Okay. It's going to be a big party. I called it a holy hoot nanny the other mo- a, a, a minute ago. Are you going to be there? Do you have a reservation? When it all goes down and this world is disintegrated and we the new heaven, new earth, we're worshiping him, are you going to be there? You say, I don't know if I'm going to be there or not, Brother Dan. We need to change that. We need you to know for sure that you have a heavenly reservation in glory. You say, well, how do I get that? Well, here's what you got to do. You got to say, in this life, on this earth, Oh, God, I love you. You're the creator. I'm sorry for my sins. You've created me. You've birthed this desire in me for you. 
And I want you to know that I am sorry for my sins. And with your precious blood, Jesus, cleanse me of my sins. Restore me. Renew me to a right relationship with you. I repent. Turn away from all of this junk of this earth and sin. And by faith, I trust you and you alone, Jesus, to be my Savior, to be my King. And in Jesus' name, I pray, I give you my life. That's, that's what you need to do. And when you do that, then you're qualified. Then you're ready to spend eternity in heaven with God. So, man, in this day and age, I've always preached with urgency, but I don't know if I've ever preached this urgently because of things that are happening in this world. I was driving down the road this morning and watching people ride their bicycles and jog. And I, I, tell you, I wanted to get out of my car and just say, dude, you need to, you need to go to church. I mean, this, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. And there are things breaking out. And those same people over in Syria and Iraq, they want to get over here. And it's dangerous. This is a dangerous world. Why don't you come and worship God and let's, let's give our lives right with God? Well, listen, guys, that's not going to happen unless God works in them, okay? So let's be faithful in our worship. Let's be faithful in our witness. And let's, let's have the invitation, okay? Y'all ready? Now, hold on just a second before we pray. My wife gave me a good word the other day. She said, just, just let it be known, we go to 1230, okay? She said, don't, don't get so fret, don't be so concerned. We're a church that goes from 11 to 1230. That's, that's who we are. So, that's, thank you. That's, that's my wife talking over there. Now, what's about to happen is we're going to have the invitation. Every church I've ever pastored, at this time, I lose about 70 or 80 people. I'll say, will you all stand? Let's have the invitation. And that's the cue for many to go, I'm out of here. Woo, I'm out of here. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, Nelly, don't run so fast. If you're going to move, move this way. This is the most sacred, holy time when we move into the invitation. Some of you are looking at me like this. Well, I've got somewhere to be, and I've got to beat the Methodist to the dinner table. Listen, this is the most important thing. We get to come to God at the altar, and we get to praise Him. People get, woo, people get saved right here, right now. And don't miss that, all right? Don't bolt on me. Mark, lock those doors. Don't let them just get. <laughs> no. I know some of you need to slip out to work. I get that. Some of you, you got to go to the bathroom. I get that. But if you don't, won't you hang with us just a few more minutes, okay? Father, we love you. Thank you for giving us just a little taste of heaven on earth as we worship you for who you are. Lord, at this time, I know there are many, many who need you. And Lord, I pray even now that they would repent of their sins, place their faith in you, be born again by the Spirit of God, get involved in this church, and work till Jesus comes. Lord, for others here today, God, they just needed, they needed this word. They needed to be reminded that God is in control. That he is the sovereign Lord, the creator, the panto creator. And so, Lord, as Christians, we, we just rejoice in you. We just love your word. And we praise you. It gives us great hope. It gives us confidence. So now, Lord, as we move into the sacred time of invitation, would you bless? Would you draw people to yourself? For I pray this. In the name above every name, Jesus. 
Amen. Would you stand with me? God bless you. Stand. Look this way. Come this way. As God moves upon your heart, you want to give your life to Christ, I invite you to come right now. You want to join our church? You want to be a part of what God's doing here? Come on. Let us help you show you how. Brother Terry, you lead us. Woo, this is a good song right here. Let's do it. Here we go.